Welcome to Kingdom Life Church, Stellenbosch. May this life-giving word activate your faith today. Well, it's an honor to be with you this morning. and This is a great venue and just, just a great place to, to worship the Lord. You know, Pastor shared with me that he's been talking a bit about, I think it's in three, Hebrews two or three, let us fix our eyes on Jesus. And the topic would be fixing. And um, fixing is that focus where you just, and I'm gonna try to give my insight on that. Fixing is that place where you're fixed. And to me, it speaks also from Philippians chapter three where it says, not that I've already obtained this or I've already made, been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that which Christ took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing. Everybody say one thing. Everybody say, everybody say fix. And say one thing. I train high-performance athletes. I train... Navy SEALs and Air Force Special Warfare guys, Army Rangers, and they all say, I want to do this or that. And I look at them and I say, really, why? And then they give me some sort of response of, oh, I saw them in the movies, or you know, I, I want to be this kind of guy, or blah, blah, blah. And we as instructors, say to them, you better have a strong why. What's your why? And it's the same thing when I, when I this is my 50th year in Jesus. I'm 70. And I got saved at 20 as a, a kid getting a master's degree in irresponsibility. <laughs> as you would say, I blew through varsity four times. Drunk, partying, out of control, lost. And then I was raised in church and I hated it because it seemed so religious. Stand up, sit down, put money in the bucket and then go out and act normal all week long. And I didn't respect the pastor and I didn't respect the people because they, they acted one way on Sunday and they acted another way six days a week. And so when someone said, you need Jesus, I said, I know all about that stuff. I don't need that. I grew up in it. I got stuck in it. I had badges for attendance. And they said, no, you got religion. You don't have Jesus. And I said, I'll think on it. And when I asked the Lord into my life at 20, I knew what I didn't want. I didn't want to stay living the life that I had been living, but I knew I also didn't want, as the term is today, be religious. And I didn't want to be like them whoever them was. I said, I just want the real deal. If there's something real in this thing. And so one day I was rowing crew, you know, crew, the big long boat you row in the Olympics. I was rowing eights. And uh, I was going from rowing to my classes, which was a bicycle ride up to campus. And I pulled over the side of the road and I pulled out a ham sandwich and a, and a banana. I'd been drunk a lot that week. And I said, hey, Lord, if you're the Lord, Savior, Lord, whoever you are, I'm messed up. And I don't care about heaven. I just want to know if you can fix me. 
so I don't know how this thing goes, but if you will come and live in my heart, knock yourself out. I'm available. I'm open. And at that moment, something happened in me, and I just changed. And I didn't try to change. It's just that everything I used to do, I just didn't have an appetite for anymore. Been there, done that, got the t-shirt, and all the friends of mine said, what happened to you? Where'd you go? What are you doing? And I said, I don't know, I just don't want to get drunk this Friday night. Why? I don't know, just don't want to do it. Been there, done that. There's nothing there for me. I was sexually abused twice, once in seventh grade by a family friend, and I was sexually abused in Boy Scouts in eighth grade. And that's when I started drinking. I started drinking from, from eighth grade till I was 20 years old with all kinds of issues, masking those issues by drinking. Because when you're in pain, you just are in pain. You don't, you don't know exactly what to do. You don't talk about stuff. So I said, Jesus, you know, I'm available. You know, come on in my, my heart. He did. And all of a sudden, I found myself in a, a space by myself because I didn't want to go to church and I didn't want to be like Christians and I didn't want to be unsaved or act unsaved and so I found myself alone and that didn't bother me much at all I just said me and Jesus are buds we're friends we're gonna hang out so I pulled out the Bible that I was given in third grade that was still in a box that I'd never never opened I knew where it was in the shelf but I never looked at it from third grade ever in my church every third grader got a Bible I took mine through the closet see you but I knew where it was all those years. And I went and got that Bible, I started looking at it. And it had the red letter deal, so I was looking at all the red stuff. <laughs> and things began to change. And I began to fix myself on, what do you want me to do? And then I began to go to some Bible studies with some other students. And then the Philippians came along this one thing that I do. And I've never done one thing ever. I've been scattered all over. Many things. My life was cluttered with life. But I've been raised in water polo and swimming by an Olympian coach. And he told me when I came into water polo and swimming my 10th grade year, because we had a three-year high school, he said, Owens, you don't, you know, you're not very good. I said, I know. He said, but if you'll do what I tell you to do, you'll beat better talent. If you just do what I say, because I was swimming against age group swimmers, you know, I started in sixth grade, seventh grade, eighth grade. So when I started swimming in 10th grade, they were way better than I was. But I was a beach kid. I grew up near the beach, so I surfed a lot and was a water guy, but I wasn't a swimming pool guy, butterfly back, breast and free. You know, I could go through waves and stuff, but I couldn't do this stuff. So he said, if you'll learn these things and do what I say, You'll be amazed, sort of like, if you'll fix your eyes <laughs> on this, and if you'll do one thing, and that's train the way I tell you, as he's throwing water polo balls off my head, hey, you don't want, I didn't teach you to swim like that, you know? Do this and do that. Yes, coach. And he thought we were all little Olympians. We were little high school kids, but he was a Hungarian Olympian from the Hungarian Olympic team. And pretty soon, 
we begin to win all these championships with less talent because we fixed our eyes on one thing. This one thing that you do, just do this one thing every day, 6 a.m., 1.30 in the afternoon, 6 o'clock at night, three work workouts a day, swim like this, and you'll beat the better teams. And that thing went in me on focus, if you'll just focus. You have a lot of things in your life, but if you'll focus, you'll be amazed at what you can do. And I'd never focused on anything, right? I was a kid, just stuff. And as I then went through that focusing thing, then I come to Jesus at 20, and Jesus says to me, focus, fix your eyes, get in the game. Then when these guys came up to me and said, you ought to be military special ops, I had really poor self-worth. I was born with bad legs, they were knocked knee, I wore boots and all kinds of stuff. And then I was adopted from an orphanage. And so I had snakes in my head of, no one wanted me, you're a mistake, you can't run, you can't play. I didn't learn to run until I was um, about nine years old, when they took the things off my feet and my ankles. And um, it all came together when I asked Christ in my life, and then these guys said to me then, you should do special ops. And I said, I don't have special ops in me, poor self-worth. I don't see what you see. I don't, we don't see what Jesus sees in us, but he sees something that we don't see, and he's trying to reveal it to us. But every day, when we get out of bed, this is the world, this is God's creation, this is his promises, this is potential. And then we dumb it down by putting on our perspective on life. So every day, he says, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you and all the promises of God. And then you go ahead and say, yeah, but you don't understand, this is me. And so these guys said, if you'll focus, <laughs> if you'll do this one thing, if you'll drop out of society for six months and let me train you, let us train you. I was Air Force Special Warfare, which is called pararescue, which means you train with the Navy SEALs, but then you add medical, and the medical then is to rescue them when they get shot. So you jump out of planes with your Uzis, but you jump out of, with saline solution and IVs and epinephrine and fenugrin and morphine, and you fix them and get them out. So we're defense. Their offense, they go off, we go get them and get them out. And they said to me, you can be a PJ, pararescueman, if you'll just do what we say for six months. So I dropped out of everything. People thought I'd lost my brain because it was Vietnam and people were trying to get out of the military and the Lord was telling me to go in as a Christian, speaking in tongues and laying hands on the sick and go be a special ops. <laughs> that was sort of bizarre. And so I trained for those six months, just focused. This one thing we do, just fix your eyes on the goal, the, the price, the cause, the issue. And so I went in, and we had a class of 150, and three and a half months later, there were seven of us that made it. All the good guys quit because they hadn't trained properly because practice doesn't make perfect. Perfect practice makes perfect. You can train incorrectly all your life money, going to church, the word, relationships, kids. You could train all your life and train incorrectly and produce bad fruit, right? 
Going to church does not make you a Christian like living in a garage doesn't make you a car. And so, all of a sudden I'm standing here with the seven, they make me the team leader of the seven. And I'm going, this is bizarre. <laughs> what am I doing here? And we all just went, what are we doing here? You know, the good specimens, where are they? But they didn't have it mentally because they hadn't focused in their training for mental pain, miserableness, the longevity of the training time. And so when Henny said, you know, we're talking about fixing your eyes. Most people don't fix their eyes. Most people are lazy, undisciplined, double-minded, and unstable in all their ways. I think the scripture says. <laughs> and Hebrews 12 is all about discipline, how the Father loves us and brings discipline. And I'm not a big advocate of discipline. I just get stuck doing it. I mean, I don't, I don't thrive on, oh, I just want to be a disciplined guy. I'm lazy at heart. <laughs> I have excuses. I have everything that you do that says, I don't want to do that today. Or do I have to? Or why? <laughs> but when I got saved, the Lord said, all that stuff that you learned about focusing and hard work can be better talent. My pastor said to me, do you want to be a man of God? And I went, well, what's that look like? And he said, you do these things and learn to repent every day. Every day. Just repent for who you are. You don't have to sin. Just repent for who you are. The sin's going to come out sooner or later during the day. No matter what, so you might as well start just by repenting in the morning. Hello, it's me again. Just, I'll try to do better today, you know. <laughs> Hello, good morning. My pastor taught us to get up an hour early, get in the Word, read the promises, get your quiet time, and get your head on square for the day and then hit the day so you can be the way you want to be mentally versus just a Christian that's all over the place. Oh, I'm sorry, or did, was it, did I say something wrong? Or, yeah, of course you did, you know, all that stuff. And so it, it hit me this morning, most people don't fix their eyes. And most people do not say, this one thing I do. They say, these many things I'm attempting to do. And again, I'm a father of five. One thing, are you kidding me? It's nuts, you know, from the moment you wake up in the morning, there's five little kids, get them to school or get their homework done or get baths or pray with them or get them to sports and all this stuff. And how do you do one thing when you have five little kids and they're all in sports or music or something and you're just dying, fall in bed at night, just pass out, you know? This one thing, are you kidding me? I'm doing everything, you know? And my wife's doing everything. How do you keep your head on straight being a Christian doing this one thing? Because the one thing is a picture. It's not just a one thing. It's a picture of focus, right? Olympians focus. Homeschooling mothers focus. Coaches focus. And we usually don't think about focusing that intently. And so when we train these kids now, 18 to 30, who want to be Navy SEALs or Army Rangers or Air Force Pararescue, we say we cannot spend two million U.S. or three million U.S. on immature, immature mentally, immature emotionally young people who are going to foul out after we spend all this money on them. So we have to grow you up real quick. And you either choose to grow up or we're not going to spend this money on you. We're going to get rid of you. 
Because people are going to die if you don't grow up and start acting smarter than your age group or where you came from. We don't care if you're white, black, colored here, Italian, French, German, from LA or from Miami. This is who you're going to be if you're going to be with us. And this is how we think. And this is how you're going to think. And we're going to take you into massive amounts of stress, pressure, because when ISIS is chasing you, Al-Qaeda, whoever it be, they're going to want to smell weakness and unfocus on you, and they're going to come harder at you if they find out that they can get you because you're showing weakness. So we have to show you how to stay strong under pressure because pressure reveals character. It's fun to be married until you have your first child. Then pressure reveals <laughs> what's going on when at four in the morning the baby needs to be changed, or, and the husband goes, I don't want to get out of bed. You go get her. And she goes, don't you love me? Go get the kid. Go get the baby. And you change it this time. I'm tired. And pressure reveals. Some of your parents are smiling. We remember those days. I had 12 straight years of nappies, you'd say? 12 straight years of nappies because we had five kids in 10 years. And I was thinking, I really want to be a good husband, but I don't want to get out of bed. And my wife would remind me, but you made a commitment <laughs> to be the best husband and my hero. And I said, but I don't want to be a hero right now. And it all comes back to this thing of, have you fixed your eyes? Have you set your heart? This one thing I do, and I'm here at 50 years in the game, thinking, how did I get here? How did I do 50 years? How did I get this old? How did I get this old? I mean, how did I get to be 70? It's nuts. But the Lord said, it's just one step at a time every day, fixing your eyes, locking in, learning to grow up, and let Jesus change me. I wish from glory to glory and strength to strength, but sometimes I went, Jesus, you're not doing much with me. I'm going, I'm going backwards a lot. But he said, focus your eyes on me. And I wrote one book, and I wrote, it's called Beyond Average, because I was always average. And so people say, how did you do all the stuff that you've done in your life? And I said, well, when you're average, you'll find mediocre people who will help you stay mediocre. But this is what happened to me that got me to catapult from being average and mediocre to doing these things that I end up doing. The guy with bad legs that can't run, runs seven marathons in seven days on seven continents, which is not a big deal. It's just, how do you, how do you make the transition? The second book I wrote, I wrote for those who want to do great things, like all the kids that dream about special ops military. And I'm just going to give you real quickly, I wrote this down on the way over here this morning. How do you do, how do you fix your eyes? How do you, this one thing, how do you accomplish, I want to be a man of God. I want to be a woman of God. How do you do it? Number one, it's research. Before you do anything, you should research what it is that you're trying to do. And I didn't have the insight to say, I want to research what a man, got, man of God looks like. I just got saved. But then they kept saying, you need to be a man of God. And I said, well, what's that look like? What do you do? So I began to read books on what men of God look like. 
and I read biographies and biographies and biographies of guys or ladies who did extraordinary things and just, wow, how'd they do that? Like I used to smuggle Bibles in Eastern Europe during the Cold War. And I read books like Brother Andrew, who was a guy that had a ministry getting Christian materials in. I was in the military and I read that book and I said, how does he do that? And then I wrote him a letter and I sent him some money <laughs> from my little room in the military all by myself when no one else, all the other guys were getting drunk and doing stuff. I wrote my little thing, you know. And pretty soon I found myself smuggling in Eastern Europe in the 70s. And I was inspired by one guy that had a vision to help the suffering church. And I read what he read, what did he read to get him like that? Where did he go to learn to be like that? Who did he hang out with to be like that? And I said, well then, if he did that kind of stuff, then I'm going to do that kind of stuff. And I began to find the people that he hung out with, and write them and read about them, and pretty soon I'm doing what he's doing. Because I researched, where does a guy like that come from? How do you have faith like that? Or how do you have whatever? Because the just shall live by faith. And I didn't live by faith. I lived by, well, if I could fit it in, or <laughs> if it works out, something like that. I, I just didn't have a faith-filled life. But all the time I read scriptures about people living by faith. And so I went and read books on that. Then people said, you want to hang out? We live by faith. And I began to do what they did. So the research gives you the vision of what it is you want to do and why you want to do it, the why. Why do you want to be a man of God or a woman of God? Or why do you want to whatever you want to do? Number two, then you develop a strategy. And I tell these kids, if you want to be a Navy SEAL and stuff, you've got to do the research why every single person who was smarter than you and more gifted than you quit. So I got saved in a revival. I got saved in the Jesus Freak movement of the 70s was all smoking weed and stuff. And the, the tent that I got saved under was a tent with every Saturday night with about 2,000 kids. And the preacher, the pastor, wouldn't speak until all the kids threw their weed up on the platform first. Come on, I know you're dirty. Throw it up here. No church until you guys throw your stuff up on, on, the, on the front. And so all this mescaline and weed and stuff was thrown. And then he'd preach. And then the kids would get saved with all their ponytails and beards. And then he'd say, Good, okay, now what are we gonna do? And he would say, do you have a strategy on how you're gonna make it? And most of the young people I got saved with didn't make it. You couldn't find them in five years. They were back on drugs. Because they hadn't got a, a, a strategy of research and that strategy, who do I wanna be, where am I going? Just going to church from week to week doesn't mean you're gonna stay in the game because there's six other days a week when life will beat you up. Does that make sense? And so, Navy SEAL guys or Christians, first you have to have a, a, a research of what do you, what do you want to do? Because it's going to be a long run. If I stay you know, alive a long time, it's going to be a long time I'm going to walk this thing out. Number two, then what's the strategy? And I changed all my friends. You know, I changed my friends to only be around guys or girls that were doing faith-filled things, adventures, to grow their faith. And I f would ask why other people fouled out. Three, then you have to count the cost. Everybody wants to be a Navy SEAL, but they don't count the cost. Everybody wants to be a Christian, but they don't count the cost. 
Jesus came to preach good news to the poor, the mentally poor, the spiritually poor, the emotionally poor, the financially poor, the relationally poor. Some people can't buy a friend. Well, I don't have any friends because you don't get it. You just you have stuff. And so you got to count the cost of what it's going to mean to you to change. For me, I had to change all my friends and change where I was going and had to count that cost like you do for anything when you fix your eyes or this one thing that I do. Fourth, then I had to find the right coach or you have to find the right coach to be a man or woman of God. Who's the mentor? Who's the role models? Do you have the right ones for you and your personality? And so I went out and found men of God that I said, I thank you. Will you coach me? Because I knew how to get in the military because I had coaches. Now, how am I going to be a, find the right coach for living this life? When I got married, I got a, I got a coach for how to raise kids because I didn't know how to raise kids. I had a sister and she was four years older than me, so I was never around her. And my mom and dad never fought. My mom was a Quaker, if you know what a Quaker is. A Quaker is a passive or nonviolent passive person who doesn't go in the military because they don't believe in war and they get a religious exemption. So my mom was always quiet in the house and served my dad. And my dad was very academic. He was smart. He went to Stanford University and got a straight A's as undergrad, straight A's law school, and then FBI and then became a war crimes trial in Manila. So he had Nuremberg, World War II. He had Manila. He was, a, he was an attorney. He was a tough, smart genius. So when I got married, I didn't know how to fight. And my wife, come to know, she came from a family that threw plates. <laughs> <laughs> and I went, I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to get in an argument, you know, or listen, and then she comes from, let's get it on, you know, you aren't listening to me. <laughs> but she was so cute and pretty, and she went to Bible school. I met her in Bible school. So I went out and found a mentor for marriage, I went out and found a mentor for how to raise kids, and I went out and found a mentor who knew how to raise money. Some guys just look at money and sneeze at it, and it's money. I looked at money, it disappeared. And so, I went to guys and said, I need coaching so that I can be successful in being a man of God. So I went out looking for coaches. And I've been looking for coaches in my 20s, my 30s, my 40s, my 50s, my 60s. And I'm still looking for coaches at my 70s. And there were five. Then I had, to, I had to train your mind. And I used to listen to tapes. I had cassette tapes of the promises of God. And every day I'd listen to an hour of the promises of God for my life. The first was, on the first part of the tape was, these are the promises. Then they were personalized for you on the backside. You can, you are, you will, you do, you, you hear, blah, blah, blah. And I'd, I'd say them out loud. And especially the tape on fear. And there was a tape about the promises of God versus fear. And I had fears. So I listened to the tape to get the word in me so that I would work on that fear. And pretty soon... When I started my campus church, I did it by open-air preaching. Standing up in the quad, all these students, and just begin to say, Hey, I want to talk to you. They don't want to talk to me. <laughs> and I have a plan for your life, because Jesus... And they don't care. They're walking away in crowds. And I have this fear on me of rejection. Like I had when I thought I was a mistake as a little kid. Rejection keeps surfacing in your life. 
But pretty soon, the fears wore off because I kept confessing that what God says about fear. I have not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and love and sound mind. Then I had to war in myself to change. And so I had to train my mind to go to the positive, like we do today with Navy SEALs. We make them do a mind gym before we do a physical gym. They have to work on their mind to get ready for what we're going to do to them. And we help them, we give them tools, get your mind right, because this morning we're going to crush you. And if you don't think right, you won't be here this afternoon. You'll quit. Life does that to you. Life can get your attention. Kids, bills, mortgages, jobs, get your mind right. And lastly, then I had to go find more role models. And then after that, you start that whole plan and adjust as you go. Good ideas, but it doesn't work the same way, so you adjust as you go. Blessed are the flexible. They inherit all things. So it sounds good on paper, but then what happens? And I say that to you to say, just, I think it's a great thing on fixing your, fixing your heart, fixing your mind, and this one thing I do. But most Christians aren't focused to the goal of, I want to be, not a church person, but I want to be that man of God or that woman of God that stands the test of time because we're supposed to finish well. Well done. Not what are you doing here? And I've buried over 50 guys, plus women, plus suicide kids, plus pediatric ICU. And so I know that Jesus is for us, but it's a long road here to walk with him and be the best you can be and develop for his glory in making him the Lord of your life, not just savior, but He's the Lord of my life, not my will, but thy will be done. And if you don't have a plan, and if you're not working that plan, you'll just go to church. Make sense? Yeah. I've never spoken this before in my life. <laughs> I was in the car coming in here, and I thought, those are great scriptures, the one in Hebrews, fixing your eyes. But I work with people that don't fix their eyes. They think they have until pressure comes and then they forget to fix their eyes and they make mistakes. And if, it's an, if you're an athlete or whatever you do, you got a game plan, military, you got a game plan, this is what we gotta do. You'll play like you train. You will not play better in the game than you're training. You'll play the way you've practiced. And the Christian lives the way they practice. And you have to have a plan and practice your plan. During the recession in 2009, we built a house for 2.5 million US, because I worked with a financial guy, and he said, buy a house, turn it, sell it, buy a house, turn it, sell it, buy a house, turn it, sell it, keep doubling your money if you can. Don't look to the church for retirement. You can do this. So our last house was 2.5 million, and we hit the recession, and it went on the market for 700,000. And all of our life savings, all of our retirement, all of everything just was gone. And the Lord said, now what are you going to do? Talk's cheap. What are you going to do now? And I only say that to say that life has a way of getting your attention, Christian or non-Christian. But if you're not with a foundation, you can get rocked when the winds come and the rains come and beat upon your house. Right? 
And so you want to have that foundation because you've been working your plan and growing and fixing your eyes and setting your heart so that you can figure it out when the winds and rains come. Does that make sense? And I hope this morning that you'll be encouraged that your best days are ahead, but our decisions determine our destiny. And if you want to learn a leadership principle, people change only when, then three things. When they hurt enough that they have to, when they learn enough that they want to, and then when they receive enough that they're able to. Hurt enough that they have to change. You know, my wife's leaving me. My kids hate me. Hurt enough that I have to. DUI, got to change. Drinking. Learn enough, light goes on, that I want to. I've never thought like that before. Oh, okay, I'll do that. Receive enough, mentoring, that I'm able to. And 95% of the people in the world learn by pain. The first one. Which is sad. I only change when I hurt enough that I have to. And you don't, and I don't want to be those people that only learn because pain. We want to hear Jesus because it's wise and smart from Proverbs versus this pain getting our attention. You still like me? Some of you haven't blinked yet. You're just staring at me like, like, where did Henny get this guy? Can I pray for you? Lord Jesus, I thank you that you love us and you have a plan for our lives. And you every day want to speak to us to do great things and to live by faith. And you want us to see on the cross what you saw on the cross. When you went to the cross, you had a broken heart for everything that you saw. And you said, it's worth it for me to go get on the cross because somebody's got to do something and I'll do it. And I pray, Lord, that this morning you will help us see what you saw on the cross and that we will be able to be changed from glory to glory, from strength to strength. We can become more like you because there's people all around Stellenbosch in the Western Cape who know about religion, but they're waiting to be loved by a Christian who does more than just say praise the Lord, but loves them and touches them. And I ask, Lord, that we would again today sign up again to fix our eyes on you, the author and finisher of our faith. And this one thing that we do is that to to glorify you in every way we live every day in the car, at home, at school, driving past people, that we'd find a way to glorify you so that you receive the glory and the praise from the way we live and have made you the Lord of our lives. And I thank you for Pastor Henny and Salome, and I thank you for the people in this church, and I thank you for the, the wonderful fellowship that's here and that you bless them and encourage them to encourage each other that we want to make it for the long game. And then receive a well done good faithful when we get to stand before him. We ask for wisdom and insight and strength and courage 
and more of your love. And we bless you and our kids and our grandkids. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to our weekly sermon. For more detail, visit www.klcstellenbosch.co.za.